in this episode of Texas. One of the problems with cyber insurance is that the insurers just don't have the tools to be able to detect the cybersecurity posture of your business, right? So how do they know how good your cybersecurity is? I'm going to explain some of the ways that you can reduce the cost of your cyber insurance by having effective cybersecurity protection in place. I'm Mark Riddell from M3 Networks. We are an IT support and cybersecurity specialist because we know that running a business is hard enough as it is right without IT causing more headaches and frustration, which is why we aim to make IT an enjoyable experience for our customers. If you'd like to find out more about what we do, check us out at m3networks.co.uk. Do you have a cyber insurance policy in place for your business or are you considering taking out a cyber insurance policy? Most people won't know this, but cyber insurance premiums have gone up 92% in the last 12 months here in the UK. And one of the problems with cyber insurance is that the insurers just don't have the tools to be able to detect the cybersecurity posture of your business, right? So how do they know how good your cybersecurity is? How do they see and measure the effectiveness of the cyber security measures that you have in place with your IT provider? One of the things that the insurance industry does understand is that prevention is far better than the cure, right? Because they don't want to pay out on claims. In fact, the insurance industry hates claims. This is the thing that they try and actively avoid. Claims don't just cost them in paying money out, actual cash out, but they actually cost them massively in the admin and the effort required to process and manage and investigate claims. So there's a few key things here that insurers will be looking out for and potentially asking you for. So when you fill out the questionnaire or whatever it is you do when you apply for your cyber insurance, they may ask you some of these questions. So three key things, of course, cyber essentials. Why? Because, well, that's a standard. It's mandated by things like requirements for public sector work, but a lot of businesses are being asked for it by their suppliers. And for the insurance industry, it's easy one for them because it is a government standard. They can validate that you actually have it because you can search the public record for cyber essentials companies and it lays out the basic control. So they know you've got the basics covered, right? However, Cyber Essentials Plus, which is basically a verified version of Cyber Essentials, same standard, just one's verified, one is not verified effectively. It's the easy way to think about it. Cyber Essentials Plus holds a lot more weight because your cyber essential standard has been independently actually verified and assessed where cyber essentials, effectively anyone can just fill out the questionnaire, submit the paperwork, pay your fee and get cyber essentials certified. Or if you work with your IT provider, a lot of IT companies, what we do here at M3 Networks is we actually ensure that the technical controls that Cyber Essentials requires you to have are actually in place. Because quite often when people do it themselves, they might not get the right information or they might misunderstand what the requirements are or not fully understand it. So not saying people lie to get Cyber Essentials. However, I think there's a lot of businesses out there that have Cyber Essentials that if they were independently assessed on it, they would actually fail and not meet the standards. The number two on the list is security awareness training because training is quite tangible and training has quite an impact because the insurance companies know that ultimately your users are the ones sitting at their desks. They're the ones being targeted by cyber criminals. They're the ones sitting, looking at a potential phishing email, deciding whether they should click the link or not. 
So phishing training or security awareness training, which is basically fish testing and training your users with some effective training off the back of that. It's a great way to be able to demonstrate that you're doing things to prevent a cyber attack happening in your business, again, lowering your risk. And then the third thing, which is another easy, quick win, is to enable multi-factor authentication. Now, I've talked about this plenty of times on the podcast before. I post about this all over social media as well when I talk about cybersecurity, but multi-factor authentication. Now, I have to caveat this by saying that sometimes people think that multi-factor authentication is like the holy grail or the silver bullet to making sure accounts don't get compromised. However, pretty much all forms of multi-factor authentication are already breached and can be breached, especially ones that rely on sending text messages, right? Now, I'm not going to get into the technicalities of explaining how those attacks work. We'll save that for another episode. However, just know that multi-factor authentication is definitely something that you want to enable, especially on critical accounts, email accounts, any other critical line of business applications that you use. If they're cloud-based, make sure that there's multi-factor authentication enabled. Because quite often what you'll find is that the service that you're using does have the facility for multi-factor authentication, but it's just not enabled by default. And I don't know why more online services don't enforce it by default it's probably because you know in that sales process they're trying to get you to sign up for the demo or the free account or whatever it is and they don't want to put any barriers in place for you to actually click the sign up button so the feature is usually there in your settings but you actually need to make sure that you go and turn it on and enable and make sure that's for all of your user accounts so if you've got 46 people logging into a platform make sure that everybody's got it enabled, right? Because when it comes to security, it's the things that you're not doing that will cause you the problem rather than the things that you are doing. So yeah, you don't want that new person that started last week to not have multi-factor authentication in their Office 365 email because if an account's going to get compromised, guess which one it's going to be. But first up, I just want to tell you a little bit about the IT services buyer's guide that we have. This is a free document on our website. You don't have to enter any information to get access to it. You just need to head over to www.m3networks.co.uk forward slash buyer's guide and you'll be able to click the link and get the download and this is going to give you loads of information to help you understand the questions that you need to ask any potential IT partner in your business or indeed just go back and ask these questions to your existing IT company and then you can help find out whether you're being served correctly and whether there's any gaps in the IT support services that you are being offered. Now, let's get back to the episode. An important thing when it comes to insurance, and this is the same for all types of insurance, right, is that you need to be able to show evidence at the point of a claim. So if you look at your car insurance, if you tell your car insurance company that you keep your car in your garage locked overnight and then your car is stolen from being out on the street outside your house, Chances of them paying out, mm, pretty much slim to none because what you told them isn't actually true at the point of claim. So it's the same when it comes to cybersecurity, right? If you say that you have cyber essentials and then your cyber essentials certificate lapses and something I see quite a lot when I speak to new businesses is that they say, oh yeah, we've got cyber essentials. And when you check their certificate expired three months ago and no one knew about it. So if that was the case, you told the insurance company we have cyber essentials, something bad happens, and then insurance come along and say, okay, you said you had cyber essentials, you need to prove that. And then you find out that it was expired, you didn't have cyber essentials at the time of a claim. What do you think they're going to say? That's an easy get out for them, right? They're not going to pay out. You need to make sure that you're on top of these things and also that you have the evidence to show 
that what you told them up front is actually true. And you do that via making sure you have proper reporting mechanisms and someone is actually managing your cybersecurity to make sure things don't slip. But Mark, doesn't cyber essentials include a cyber insurance policy? That is actually a great question. And not a lot of people know this, actually, but it's something we always make people aware about when they are going through cyber essentials. And yes, you do get a cyber insurance policy as part of getting cyber essentials certified. Now, that insurance policy only covers £25,000. And let's be honest, that's not going to touch the sides when it comes to a cyber attack for a kind of typical SME size business here in the UK. The £25,000 is really to help towards the cost of recovery. So that's not going to likely last very long. And it's not definitely not going to be enough money to you know run your business until you kind of get through the cyber attack because it's not going to pay your staff wages. It's not going to cover your overheads. It's not going to make up for the lost sales that you've not been able to process because you've been down for all that time. So £25,000 isn't a lot of money. It might sound like a lot of money to some people, when it comes to a cyber attack and the cost of recovery and incident response and all those other things, certainly barely even going to touch the surface. So yes, it's there. Yes, for some small businesses, if you're working by yourself or it's you and maybe one or two other people in your business, 25K might be okay. But you know, if you're a business that's got 10 plus staff, I would say you know, forget about 25,000. It's not going to cover it. And you need to have a dedicated cyber insurance policy in addition to what you get from your cyber essentials. I've told you the three things at a high level that you should have in place, things that insurance companies like and will probably ask for in their questionnaires. But what security tools, what are the specific things that this actually covers? Well, of course, cyber essentials covers five things, and those are endpoint security, firewalls, patch management, secure configuration of your devices, your computers and things, and then obviously password security as well. So these things will be covered by getting Cyber Essentials certified already. I'm not going to spend much time talking about them in this episode. I do have specific episodes on Cyber Essentials where we talk more in depth about these five technical controls, what they mean, so you can understand that a little bit better. The other thing we spoke about today was security awareness training and email security. So there's really two services there, right? So having a good email security system in place to help reduce the amount of phishing emails that actually get to your users. And then the security awareness training where you regularly fish test, regularly train your users to make sure that they know what to look out for and not fall victim of these phishing scams. And then finally, obviously, MFA, multi-factor authentication. Now, commonly this is done through things like the Google Authenticator app, where you enable multi-factor authentication on your account. It asks you to set it up, usually scan the QR code or that kind of mechanism, and then enter in a code to confirm that you've got that set up properly. And then off you go. So all multi-factor authentication systems typically work in the same way. If you use online banking, it might be one of these little kind of keychain codes that you get. You you know click the button that generates a different code each time. But multi-factor authentication is usually something that's it's built natively into the systems that you're using. If your systems you're using doesn't have multi-factor authentication built in, and it is a critical system where you're storing key business data or whatever, you probably want to reach out and ask the software vendor or the service provider about that and find out if they don't have multi-factor authentication, when they should expect it to be released. Because let's be honest, if you're using a system that doesn't have multi-factor authentication or they're not at least got it on their roadmap to, to release it, 
you know, soon, then you probably need to be considering whether the software company or the vendor is actually taking the security seriously because it's only going to impact you if there's a problem. So worthwhile bearing in mind. So there you go. That's a few ways where you can implement some cybersecurity and demonstrate that to your insurance company to help lower the cost of your cyber insurance premiums. Now, of course, I have to point out that I am not a cyber insurance expert. So don't take this episode as official insurance advice. You should always speak to your insurance broker. And if anyone out there doesn't have someone that they know who they can talk about cyber insurance, then feel free to reach out and I can point you in the right direction. I have some really good contacts in insurance companies that specialize in cyber insurance. I'm not going to name anyone here or name any companies that I would specifically recommend because I don't think that's the right thing to do here. If you want to reach out, then we can have those conversations. And if any of the services and things that we've talked about, cyber essentials, security awareness training, if any of these things are things that kind of get your attention and you want to talk about implementing those things in your business, then feel free to reach out to me as always. If you want to book a 15-minute no-obligation chat in my diary, you can do that if you head over to m3networks.co.uk forward slash meet Mark. You'll be able to see when I'm available and actually pick a slot and it books it straight in my diary. It's pretty cool actually, using Microsoft bookings. It's also something I should probably talk about in an episode. But anyway, we'll leave that for another time. I hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time. Texas is an M3 Networks podcast. Find out more at m3networks.co.uk.